Daryl, what's going on, my man? What's up, buddy? What's happening, guys? Happy Friday. You as well. Got any plans for the weekend? Anything you can take in the NBA All-Star festivities? I will probably uh, watch some of the uh, the All-Star stuff, yeah. I, I Yeah. Daytona 500 this weekend, too. So That's I'm right. Gonna watch that. That's right. You, you can text. About the, you care about the race? Care about no, but I. It's one of the few races, Dustin, uh, that and the Indy 500 uh, that I would try and sit down and watch. Okay. Well, plus you're gonna you're gonna have to come ready when you're on with Ken Lyman next week, because you know he's gonna ask you about the Daytona 500. So. Why well, I, I I'm rooting for Blaney this weekend. So okay. I told I told him that this morning. So <laughs> he almost fell out of a cha- out of his chair because he I he didn't think knew, you knew a race car driver. <laughs> he didn't, he didn't think I knew any of the drivers. Daryl, oh, you never spent a hundred bucks at Taco Bell? Uh, no, and um, I, I've never spent a hundred dollars at any fast food restaurant. Mm. Uh, you must have bought for the entire well, there was a group city of, of Canton. There, there was a group of us. <laughs> there was a group. It was five of us. So to be fair, you're, to be you're, fair, you're, you're poor plumbing. That's all I'll say. For God's sakes, you 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 idiots! <laughs> you're, you're like the same trolls on Twitter that go to the same lame ass joke every single time. Uh, your toilet. Oh, I feel man. bad for your 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 toilet. I could have said I felt. Butt. I could have said I feel bad for your intestines. Yeah. Well. Well, it's all the same. Right? It's all the same. <laughs> How on earth did you sp- spend that kind of money at Taco Bell? Goodness gracious! I ordered like thirty-five items. Out of the goodness oh, of his okay. heart, he was buying for a car of people. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, Daryl, we've been having a conversation about the biggest busts in, I guess, both Cleveland history, but also NFL history. We were kind of surprised that Johnny Manziel was top two in the biggest NFL bust. We kind of felt, you know, Manziel, yeah, I think, you know, we don't like him here in Cleveland, so we kind of consider him a bust. And he was a first-round pick, but I think coming out, like, there was kind of mixed reviews on him. So I don't know if I put him top two all time. I Um, would. You would? Yeah. Mm. Of course I would. That's one of the fastest flameouts you ever see. He did go pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not like he caught on anywhere else. Like he he was done, he was done. Like so yeah, that that's one of the big all-time flameouts. So Even across I, sports though, cuz th- this poll that Keith gave well, I us. I thought we I thought you said NFL. Well, yeah. so he's two in the Don't NFL. Don't move the goalposts on me I'm now. So, okay, so he's two in the NFL. He's also he was also two based on this poll in all across sports. It was Jamarcus Russell one and Johnny Manziel two, both for the NFL poll and for all sports. I don't know if I'd put him number two, at least in all sports. I don't know all sports, but definitely NFL. He's worthy of top mm. two consideration. We disagree, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't put him that high, Daryl. Is this 20, in the NFL? No, twenty second overall pick. They traded for him. Yeah, they did. Tra- yeah, I forgot about uh, that. You I, know what I mean? Like they made a trade to get him. Our, so. our view on it, Daryl, was that, like I said, I think coming out, there was people who were excited about him, and they thought, like, oh, man. Like- I, I mean, listen, I, I think the Browns own, like, f- I don't know, 15 of the top 20 NFL busts of all time, don't they, since 1999? <laughs> that is first true. First round busts. That is very true. Well, like, no, 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 nobody drafted flameouts quite better than the Cleveland Browns used to. Yeah, I mean, Barcavius Mingo came up. Uh, there was, yeah, the, the, the names were endless. Of uh of Gerard Browns Warren. Plus. Yeah, he came up. That was another one. Justin Gilbert came up. That was another one. Same year as Menzel, obviously. Um I asked this question, Daryl. I, I, I don't know that we can sit here today and say it, but could Baker Mayfield end up an all time sports bust? No. 
led the led the Browns to their best record uh, in the expansion era and won a playoff game. So no. Yeah, and he's going to play another decade. Most well, yeah, likely. I mean he's he has the potential to be the next Colt McCoy. Yeah, or or find a place to start. I don't know. I think I mean he can make a small fortune just being a backup quarterback. Yeah, if he can that make is something, dollars. if if that is something that he's willing to, you know, from an ego standpoint, if he's willing to swallow his pride a little bit, um, he yeah he could be a, ba- a backup for the next ten years in the NFL uh, slash spot starter and make a ton of money doing it, just like Colt McCoy did. Mm-hmm. Talking with our Browns beat reporter, Daryl Ryder. Daryl, we had Sean King on yesterday. He made an interesting point about how Jalen Hurts and the Eagles offense this year kind of figured out how to play to his strengths. And they also built the offense around playing to his strengths, but also managing his deficiencies. And he kind of called out to Deshaun Watson and, and said, you know, take note. We talked about it yesterday, but do you think with as we hear about this meeting of the minds with Deshaun and Kevin Stefanski about what the offense should look like next year, that designing an offense in the image of the Eagles is something that would behoove them. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it would be smart, um, but they they need to design the offense for Deshaun Watson, not so much the Eagles or any other successful offense that's out there. Uh, you know, And I, I think Kevin Stefanski will do that um but you know certainly the pressure is on Watson to be a uh, a top 10 player at the position because if he's not then the Browns wasted six draft picks and 230 million dollars and they won't be going anywhere anytime soon so the pressure certainly is on uh, Watson to perform um so yeah I mean I I really liked what Nick Sirianni and the Eagles did with Jalen Hurts. I think that there's um, some staying power with that offense, if that makes sense. Yeah. And But uh, it's easy to say, yeah, just copy what the Eagles did. But I, I think it's you know more important for Stefanski to take his offense – and, and it's my understanding this is, this is the plan this offseason, but to just basically take his offense, sit down with Deshaun, and, and take out all the stuff that Deshaun doesn't like or isn't comfortable with, and then draw up some new stuff uh, that Deshaun does like and, and draw up some concepts that uh, you know he feels comfortable um, running. But... Uh, yeah, I mean that—that's kind of where I'm at with this whole. How do you retool this offense? Um, you know, it was run heavy with Nick Chubb out of necessity because they didn't have the player at quarterback to carry the offense. Well, now they do, or at least they believe they do, right? They—they've invested enough in the position to where I think it's fair to assume uh, that they do, right? That they have that guy to carry the offensive quarterback in Deshaun Watson. So um, you're no longer as reliant on Nick Chubb and the running game to carry the offense. Uh, But what they've got to do now is they've got to shore up that passing game and give uh, Watson some uh, additional weapons to get the football to. But, yeah, I, I, I see. I agree with the Eagles are a good blueprint for the Browns, but I think it's more important for Stefanski to, to, you know, kind of come up with his own thing for Deshaun. Yo, if Aaron Rodgers comes to the AFC, how much tougher does that make it for the Browns? We already have five I, really I was, good quarterbacks. It's already tough. That's what I'm <laughs> I mean, saying. <laughs> I, you know, 
Uh, Browns fans hate me for saying it, but I- I'm just keeping it real. Um, look, it's Kansas City, Cincinnati, Buffalo in that one tier. And I think there's a gap. And then there's the rest of the AFC playoff field. There's another gap. And then there's the, the Browns. And I, I don't know that the Browns are significantly, from a talent perspective, behind some of those teams, but just that the talent hasn't delivered uh, at the level that's required. So um, if Aaron Rodgers, yeah, if he ends up in the AFC, it's just going to make things even more uh, difficult. It provides yet another obstacle because you've got, uh, aside from the big three, right, Mahomes, Allen, uh, and Burrow, uh, I think you got to put Justin Herbert in that in, in, up in there, uh, out there with the Chargers, um, and then you throw God, you throw Rodgers into the mix. Yeah, it it makes things a little <laughs> much more difficult on the Browns. It also depends on the division. Um, if he goes to the AFC East, let's say the New York Jets, just for sake of conversation, well, guess who the Browns have to play this fall? The Jets. For like the 10th year in a row, I feel yeah, like. Well, you know, this is what happens when you're playing a third and fourth place schedule every year like the Browns. That's the amazing thing, right? The Browns play a third and fourth place schedule every freaking year, and they still can't get to the playoffs with any level of consistency or regularity. Unreal. Talking with our Browns. Oh, no, it's very real. <laughs> it's, it's very real. Talk with our Browns beat reporter, Daryl Ryder, brought to you again by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Daryl, lots made out of Andrew Barry's drafts of late and how the Browns don't have any pro What, that they've not been very good? Well, Gee, well, I wonder why people would make a big deal well, of that. It's not so much that. I, I kind of talked about this over the weekend, but and I'm not saying that Andrew Barry doesn't need to draft better, and I've, I've been a big... I, I've been saying it as loud as anybody that like these next few drafts where he has no first round picks, like this is going to be the, the the true test of how he evaluates talent, how he is as a GM. But I do think like one narrative that feels a little, I guess, stale to me is the whole, you know, he hasn't had any Pro Bowlers in his drafts yet. I, I did the math on this. Like the Chiefs, the last three years, same span of time that Andrew Barry's been here, they only have one Pro Bowler that Dave drafted. Um, and that's again, since the time that John Dorsey left their organization and he drafted Mahomes and Kareem. So same sort of scenario where John Dorsey was there, kind of loaded the team up with talent, then left. And they're still kind of riding a lot of that talent. You see that here in Cleveland as well. Is is too much made out of that narrative that they don't have any pro bowlers drafted at this point when the chiefs are out here winning with only one in the last three years themselves. Uh, I'm scrolling through right now, his picks to give you my take on the volume of viable players that he has found. Of the 22 picks, I would say he has found 11 viable players. So that's a 50% ratio. Um, I think the rest of them probably don't belong in the National Football League. Mm. Um, But uh, they're going to be on the Browns because Andrew Berry drafted them. And he doesn't like getting rid of his draft picks unless he absolutely has to do that. Um, you know, the the Pro Bowl thing, all pro thing, like those are the measuring sticks for uh, player ascension to being the best at their position, right? And so I think that Jeremiah Wusukoromoa has the potential to grow into something like that. 
Martin Emerson, who I thought had an outstanding rookie season uh, in the secondary, I think he has the potential to grow into that. Um, I think Jedrick Wills is what he is. He's, uh, uh, he's a stable player on the left side of the offensive line. He's not elite by any stretch of the imagination. He basically fills a spot, okay? And, uh, you know, unfortunately, he's following Joe Thomas. So, sucks to be him, right? That's a tough, <laughs> resu- that, that's a tough resume to be compared against. Um, outside of that, man, <laughs> it, it gets real thin from there. So, um, I just... When you don't have first round picks and you've you've got to hit on those second, third, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth round guys, Barry hasn't had a lot of hits. Donovan Peoples Jones, sixth round pick, twenty twenty draft, big time hit. Unfortunately, it took three years though. And my argument right now, they have eight draft picks, but this is not a year where they need draft picks. They need guys that can step on the field to help them win games immediately. They need immediate impact. So I am all for trading picks for guys that can help today. That's not to say they can't find a couple. You mentioned the Chiefs. They found a couple of guys, uh, a couple of rookies that helped them in their Super Bowl run. But, man, the Browns need guys that can help them win immediately. So draft and develop, which has been the philosophy over the last five, six, seven, eight years, as important as that is, to roster construction in the NFL, if there was ever a year for Andrew Barry to pause that, it's this year because they need guys that can contribute at a high level immediately. Daryl, we know Deshaun Watson likely due for a contract restructure of some sort this offseason. Who else might be in line for that this offseason? Well, Miles Garrett potentially, and and basically the the restructures aren't that big of a deal. Right. It's basically what you do is, uh, for instance, Watson's base salary is around $45, $46 million. You subtract the veteran minimum, which is, uh, I, I think, uh, a couple million for him, and the rest of that you convert it into a signing bonus so you can spread it over the length of the deal. Maybe you throw some voidable years to even spread it out some more, and that's the fastest way to lower salary cap numbers. Uh, Garrett is second on the team as far as cap hit goes. By the way, Watson this year is scheduled for a almost a $55 million cap hit. Yeah. And I think Miles, if my memory serves me correctly, the way his is structured, I think he's close to $30 million. Uh, Amari Cooper, too, uh, is in line. Uh, they can do some things with him. I think he's scheduled for $20 million uh, this year as a base salary, but his cap hit is around $24 million. So those, those are, I would say, those three guys right there, you can play around with their their cap numbers and and get them down. I'm not the least bit worried about the Browns in salary cap trouble, uh, at least this particular offseason, because those are some pretty basic moves that uh, Barry can make to free up the room. The cap's a myth. Uh, real quick. Is, yes, Ke- it is, 100%. Kevin Love, his jersey yeah. should be retired, right? Yeah, it, it will be. Um, you know, his, his, his legacy here is, is obviously mixed. Uh, you know, his impact helping winning uh, the 2016 NBA title can never be forgotten. His impact off the floor and in, in bringing mental health awareness yeah. to the forefront um, and taking some of the negative stigma away from that, I, I think, is uh, as valuable as his on-the-court contributions. Wasn't all, you know, sunshine and rainbows with him here. Did some pouting after the rebuild and the uh, – 
the uh, the big contract extension that he got, uh, uneven production, uneven availability due to injury, but uh, longevity, overall contributions. I, you know, him, LeBron, and Kyrie, those jerseys will be hanging in the rafters someday. He's Daryl Ryder, our Browns beat reporter. As always, delivers the goods. He's brought to you by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Daryl, appreciate it, man. Have a good weekend, all right? You too. Enjoy All-Star and, uh, of course, the uh, the Daytona 500. Thanks, buddy. Take it easy. See ya. Um, Dustin, the tush push. Um, sounds like the NFL is looking into reinstating the rule that disallows it. I, I know Sean Payton, I think, had some comments on it that if, if it is still allowed next year, mm-hmm. he's going to use it every time. It always has boggled my mind. Like, Listen, I'm sure you get frustrated too watching these Browns games and you see them do quirky things like try to bring in Jacoby Brissett, who, by the way, Jacoby Brissett might be the king of the quarterback sneak. Dude literally is one of the best quarterback sneakers in the NFL. Yeah, 100%. And they brought him in to throw like a fade to Amari Cooper and doing some other weird things on fourth down that the Browns have tried and not just quarterback sneak it. Um, But I feel like whenever there's a quarterback sneak, the tush push or the push from behind has always kind of be it's become a staple, right? Like the running back runs up, sort of gives a little extra extra shoulder to nudge him a little bit forward to make sure he gets the first down or crosses mm-hmm. the plane. But the NFL wants to go back to doing away with the rule altogether. Where do you stand on the conversation of the tush push? Is it good? I, Is it bad? I don't have a problem with it. One of the things I was seeing today is that the league wants to make things aesthetically pleasing for the audience, for the viewing audience. And they say it's not like a play that is like, they, they don't think it's part of the game. It, like it's cheating or something. And I would say this, like, okay, I, I, if you're a defense, stop it. Yeah. I mean, you know they're going up the middle, load the box, you know, get in there and find a way to, it's, it doesn't work every time. Um, but we saw it so many times in the Super Bowl that it has become now this hot topic that we're debating. Um, it sounds like they're going to take it away. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess to me, like, I, I, I don't really get the aesthetically pleasing thing. Like, a, a quarterback sneak isn't really aesthetically appeasing, a, a pleasing, excuse me, anyway. Because it's just like a bunch of guys just like run into each other, right? Like the play's just kind of like a mess, and you're just hoping the guy it's gets just, forward. It's just a, a, a basically a uh, what would you call it? I mean, it's like a melee, you know? <laughs> I mean, like, it's just a bunch of dudes pushing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it looks like rugby. I like the, I like the yeah. That's a, that, those are two really good examples. Both a melee and just a, a rugby scrum. Yeah, rugby scrum. Exactly what it is. Two like two lines of just these big groups of people just. Pushing each other and trying to see who wins. The I, NFL I, wants to showcase the athleticism and skill of our athletes. This is not a skillful play. This is just a tactic that is not aesthetically pleasing. Uh, and I think the competition committee is going to look at it. That, of course, comes from Dean Blandino. Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't know. Like the aesthetically pleasing part matters zilch to me. Like I, I don't ever watch that play and think like, oh man. That running back pushing him forward, that was I, – I didn't want to see that. I also just think, too, like I kind of said – You know what it, else is not an aesthetically pleasing play? The quarterback kneel down. Yeah. PAT, is that aesthetically yeah, pleasing? It's fine. I mean, it, it, listen, the league changed the PAT rules because yeah. it was so, it was so easy. Right. 
for the Which chip, I guess the chip shot, right? They're and doing now, the same thing with this in a way. Well, yeah, they want to they want to take away something that's kind of a gimme in 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 the game. Yeah, I'm with you on the the idea though of like if you don't like it, stop it, right? Like that's that's kind of how sports works. It's I, it's why I don't get mad when a team's up ten in baseball yeah. and they're bunting on the other team. Like if you don't want them to bunt, then get them out. Like it's it's that simple. I just think it's become part of the game. It doesn't really bother me one way or another. Um, I don't know. I I don't think I, my, my my biggest issue rule wise in the NFL, and I just said this is the the kneel down. Like when a team like the Chiefs. Can and I get it. It's, it's strategy, right? You're, you're trying to win a game. You're playing the clock. You're doing all these things. You know, with with the um, who was it that went down at the one yard line? Was it uh, McKinnon, right? McKinnon, yeah. And then they had a chance to take you know a few knees and kick a walk off field goal, essentially, right? I I just don't. I wish there was a way, and there is, by the way, um, to not be able to just kneel it and do the walk off kick. I wish there was a, still a chance. And this this is from an NFL standpoint that I I feel like the league would would benefit from, if there was a way to allow the defense to still be in the game in those situations. Like for example, and and I've said this for a long time with Adam when we were working together and we were doing gladiator stuff in the arena league, you can't kneel down in the arena league. You have to uh, you have to run a play for positive yardage. So you could do the tush push, you do quarterback sneak. But you can't take a knee. Anything negative yardage stops the clock. Isn't it kind of funny that the NFL allows onside kicks, which is like the most unfootball thing ever? It's most unfootball to, thing to keep games close, but then you can just kneel the ball down and run the clock out. Like a, I just wish there was something to to make you stay to the very end, because like if a team doesn't have any timeouts and it's under the two minute warning, it's over. I mean, they want that too, theoretically. They they want as many eyes in these games as possible. I just think of of all the rules that you're going to look at to change the tush push, the the, the the a little tushing for the pushing matters very little to me. I like I I just think that's part of the game. It's it's part of football. I I and this is to, again sort of related back to baseball a little bit here. There are certain things that are just sort of part of a game that I am not going to sit there and like gripe over. Um, because I think there's some strategy involved. A good baseball game rid of the shift. I get why they're doing it, but I also feel like that was one thing that a, a team could employ. There's already so many things that you can't control in baseball, and that's one of the things that I feel like a manager had control over, like placement of the defense. So I didn't. I don't love that you're getting rid of it, but I understand why. Right. And that's the same sort of thing here. Like it's just not a play that I'm sitting there like, oh, that's the reason football has issues. There's how about like fumbling out of the the uh, end zone being a touchback for the other team. Like there, there's so many other rules that they need to take a look at. How about getting, how about helping us figure out what a catch still is? Cause we still don't know 20 plus years later what a catch is since replay has been implemented. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there's just so many more problems in the NFL rule wise. than I think the, the tush push Uh two, one, six, five, seven, eight, double 92. We go to the phones. Todd, what's going on? Todd, 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 is this Todd, Todd, war one. Todd, war one. Todd, 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 Todd. One syllable, one time, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't like the quarterback kneel down either, and I wish they would get rid of the Dave Casper rule. But this push from the back is they need to leave this alone. If I could just, if you could step in front of your um, your man and block somebody trying to get him, and not say that's a um, that's a distraction from athleticism, then you should be able to get behind your man and add some weight to his drive, and then make that same defender who actually can now touch him stop you and him because your momentum's behind him. And you're and what people don't talk about often is when you do that, you're also protecting your man from somebody from coming up from behind him and yoking him backward. 
So I'm in favor of it. Leave it alone. They were leave it totally alone. They were gonna let that play go. If the Eagles, not the Eagles, yeah, if the Eagles had been able to pick that dude up off his feet in that last play and throw him into the end zone, they were gonna let that go. And they had no conversation about letting something like that yeah. become a, um, a violation of the rules. So. They got other things they need to deal with. By the way, I love the onside kick, too. I just like the, the mayhem of it all. But, no, leave this one alone, man, and get rid of the quarterback kneel down if you want to get rid of something. All right, Todd, I appreciate the call. Yeah, I I just think – also, it, the defense is doing the same thing. You got guys running up or pushing the defensive linemen back to towards the offensive line. Like you said, it's like, a, it's like a rugby scrum. It's just a bunch of guys all colliding together trying to either get the stop or get the first down. I I just – I don't know. It, it doesn't bother me all that much. I guess I understand from a strategic standpoint why some teams hate it, but I, I'm i not like sitting here losing sleep over a team that wins a game because they picked up a fourth down in crunch time because of the, a push from behind for the running back. Like mm-hmm. I I don't know. I, I think there's bigger fish to fry in the NFL than that. Uh, let's get in one more call here. Larry, what's going on, man, real quick? Yeah, I think they should get rid of it. I didn't like seeing Jalen Hurts go all four downs and, you know, somebody behind him push. He can already squat 700 pounds or something like that. Now you got people. I think we're losing kinda you, Larry. Like slow, yeah, kind of like slowed the game down for me mm-hmm. or something. I just I didn't like it. You know, I think that um, you know they should just get rid of it because you can't push somebody. And, you know, I, I didn't like it. All right, all right, Larry. I appreciate the call, man. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't. I understand what he's saying. I don't know how it slows the game down. I think quarterback sneaks in general just kind of made that way. Um, it's it's an ugly play regardless. If if that's a little quirk that's included, that a team gets to kind of use an extra push from a player behind in the backfield, so be it. I, I'm not sitting here griping over it. Um, I, I don't know. I Stop it. I, I'm, I'm with Dustin on that. Like, if you if you don't want to do it, if you don't want to see a team convert it, stop it. Uh, 216-578-0092. If you'd like to chime in on the the tush push throughout the rest of the show.